This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Feminism in your ears. It's another broad podcast on Joy 94.9. Keep listening. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag podcast. Hashtag broad on Joy 94.9. You're listening to Broad on Joy 
abroad would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands that we broadcast from, the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to all the Kulin elders, women from past, present, and those women who will be our future elders. We'd also like to acknowledge with respect the traditional owners of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands that we broadcast to, and to pay respect to all elders and women elders from all clans and nations, past, present and future. Welcome to Broad. Thank you again to the team, the squad from Well, Well, Well. Brilliant show again once more. And thanks to Grimes, Grimes Oblivion from 2012. Why not? I feel like I've come from Oblivion. Haven't been very well and still, uh, you know, trying to recover there. But tonight, of course, um, quite a, uh, well, I should say, from... Uh, superwoman in the panels and outside of the panels when it comes to comics. Tonight we'll be talking to Nicholas Scott, who, of course, has been enlisted to reinvigorate Wonder Woman for the 75th year anniversaries and celebrations, doing the origin story there. She's the pencil artist, artist, creative for Wonder Woman for DC Comics. We'll be chatting to her about her experiences as a woman um, making comics in what is a huge boys club. And also tonight we'll be speaking to Hope Larson, also DC Comics. Uh, she's a fabulous pioneer and uh, is certainly giving a kickstart to the Batgirl franchise in the comics world of DC. And um, we've also got an interview there because there's a lot happening this week coming up. There's the, at the All-Star Comics is the Women in Comics Festival. That's going to be uh, quite amazing. Uh, we also have something happening at ACMI, uh, women in comics panels and uh, some discussions happening there which will include Hope and uh, of course Nicola so that's pretty much the show for tonight it's all about women who make comics who are part of uh, what are extraordinarily huge franchises and you know a huge phenomenon so let's uh, have a listen to that during the show for the next hour or just under an hour now if you have a message let us know uh, here on Broad, easy to do, 0427 Joy 949. Do you have a favourite? Is it Batgirl or is it Wonder Woman? Hmm, would you have them face off? I don't know. Whatever you're into, you can email us on air at joy.org.au or you can phone Robert, Robert, uh, uh, 1300 Joy 949. We'll have some more music very shortly. Um, I'm thinking, you know, we need to play the... Wonder Woman uh, soundtrack from Batman vs. Superman, where she did appear earlier this year and uh, made quite a splash, I suppose, with that lasso in hand. Yes, truthful dear, one could say. And yes, 75 years of Wonder Woman. There's a lot going on there. Um, from the United Nations as a representative for women and girls and women and girls' rights right around the world. Quite the agenda for, uh, of course, uh, the... Good old United Nations based in New York. And Nicola was lucky to spend some time there. But like I said, later in the show, we'll listen to that chat. Um, now, I don't really have much in the way of broad news as such. But we do have some good news. It looks pretty positive. For those who've been following uh, what is going on in the North Dakota pipeline, it looks like there's been a reprieve uh, for Indigenous tribes as the Army denies the Dakota pipeline permit to continue. So that's been the breaking news today, Monday the 5th of December, which would have been their Sunday. Uh, it's probably Monday morning now. So in Cannonball, North Dakota, the Secretary of the Army Corps of Engineers 
said that it turned down a permit for the controversial pipeline project to run through North Dakota. And this is a victory for, at this stage, for Native Americans, Indigenous Americans, and, of course, environmentalists and climate activists, and for the women of Standing Rock. Because Standing Rock, as I found out, actually means the women that stand at Standing Rock. So for the Indigenous women that have been incredibly tough, resilient, stood their ground for many, many centuries, haven't wavered at all, not even since the Fort Laramie uh, Treaty debacle, and are still going strong, even after everything's been happening, with water cannon to um, rubber bullets, whatever it might be, dogs that they've set upon them, uh, the Indigenous women have stood proud and strong. And we stand with uh, Standing Rock, of course, because it is an Indigenous issue and it is an Indigenous native land. So this could be a short-lived victory, however, because President-elect Donald Trump has said he supports the project and policy experts believe he could reverse the decision if he wants to. Let's hope that's not the case because, oh, my goodness, we could see uh, some intense pressure then. But I believe up to 2,000 uh, reserves and, um, I should say, army veterans have also volunteered to come forth and are starting to arrive at uh, Standing Rock and uh, close by other areas to help support the water protectors. Remember, these people aren't protesters, in our opinion. They are protecting the waters from oil companies who will most likely pollute it, and sacred land as well, burial grounds, etc., that need to be protected, of course. So mm, we might have to wait till January, but at this stage... It looks likely that nothing's going to move yet and nothing is going to be uh, um, further put in jeopardy uh, with the pipeline. So we'll see what happens. A lot of news there. An intense and very important time, I think, not just for American culture and history, but also environmentally. Uh, a very important time as well. So let's not forget the women that stand at Standing Rock. Okay, enough politics. I don't know, Sonia. Um, we will be uh, also discussing, of course, uh, the Belarus Free Theatre. Last week I played a little bit of an interview with um, Natalia Nicolati and, uh, of course, Marsha Alokinia uh, from Pussy Riot. That full interview is now available online. Uh, you can go to abroad, of course. You can go to uh, the Joy website and just um, put in the search engine broad joy.org.au and it will take you there to the podcast have a listen to that <coughs> oh dear I really have got a crappy voice alright I think a little bit of this is in order to keep us going for the next um, let's see 40 something minutes until we have Beck bite me down under and after that I will be chatting to Hope Larson who is uh, coming over from the US this week this is Solange. Don't touch my hair. You're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Don't touch my hair When it's the feelings I wear Don't touch my soul When it's the rhythm I know Don't touch my crown They see the vision I've found Don't touch what's there 
Ford, you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9, and I'm encouraging all of you to fight like a girl just as I know Sonia does. This is Jamie Babbitt, the director of But I'm a Cheerleader, and you are listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Uh, this is Broad on Joy 94.9, and we are very honored to have Hope Larson on the phone speaking to us from the US. Her first time she will be in Australia, in Melbourne for a couple of awesome things is the Superhero Identities Symposium on the 8th and 9th of December. That's when it's been held here in Melbourne at ACMI. And then, of course, the uh, wonderful Women in Comics Festival, which is on from the 10th and the 11th of December. Lots of things going on. So, yay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, excellent. Uh, So, Hope, uh, can you just give us a brief rundown? I mean, obviously, the Batgirl is the big one, DC Comics, that you've been doing with uh, Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, just, I guess, a brief rundown of your careers to date. Sure. So, I've been writing and drawing comics professionally for about 12 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I started out in very indie comics here in the U.S., and I've gradually worked my way from there to book publishers and 
this year for the first time I'm working with, with mainstream comics publishers, so DC and with Boom yes. and doing issues and more serialized storytelling for the first time. So most of my work has been graphic novels and most of it's been geared toward kids. And this is the first time that I'm working on stuff that is for a, a broader audience in terms of of the age of the people who's actually reading it. Doing, you know, working on the web as well with some of your work. How do you find that in comparison to as far as the reach? Do you think it is greater now? Yeah, doing doing Bad Girl and doing Goldie Vance with Boom, it's a completely different audience than the one that I'm normally reaching. And as soon as I started working on those books, I, I started getting fans who are really communicating with me actively on Twitter and online in a way that I never had before. Because when you're writing for kids, a lot of the time they don't really reach out. So the people that I'd, I'd be hearing from the most were librarians and teachers and people like that. So this has been really cool. It's nice to feel connected to my audience for the first time. Yes, it would be. And also we do look at genre too as well here on as far as being a woman in this type of genre. What has your experience been like? Yeah, no, it's it's like a a tricky question to answer Mm. because I came up at a time when the industry in general was really trying to get more women involved Mm. with, with comics. So I came up alongside all these incredible female cartoonists uh, who are my friends, you know, Raina Telgemeier, who does Smile and, and Drama and Disney uh, mm. Ghost, Vera Brasgul, Jen Wayne, Jillian Tamaki, and Mariko Tamaki. So these are all right. people that I've known for my entire career, and I've always been close with them, and I've always felt really supported by all of them, and I think they'd probably say the same thing. So I've never had this moment where I felt like, an outsider because of my gender. Mm. I feel it a little bit more now that I'm writing Batgirl because that is the boys club. When I do panels at at shows for DC, I'm usually the only woman. And there usually aren't any people of color on the panel either. So it's Mm. like definitely feel it more when you're on a panel with like four or five middle-aged white guys and you're the one woman. Because, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of I guess, um, the, the sort of prestige and the status of something like DC's Batgirl and going along with that. And, uh, you know, so far to date, how's it been, the experience creating? I love it. I, I totally love it. I wasn't really sure because it was, it, it's my first time doing licensed work, really. I did a wrinkle on time. I did an adaptation of that, but that's kind of different. Yeah because it was more open-ended. And this is my first time working with established characters in a, a format that's not my usual. So I've really had to hit the ground running and and have relied on my editors a lot. Mm. Because I don't really... I've never read a lot of superhero comics, so I'm all of this is new to me. The rhythms of the storytelling and the character yeah. backstory. It's a lot of research. It's exciting, though. It's really... it's. It's cool getting to work in a different facet of the medium. Yeah, I think it probably would give you a really different, because you haven't got that ingrained of you, what the rules are for superheroes. And that would give you a fresher sort yeah, of exactly. eyes for it, you know? And uh, I think that translates really well, even the look of Batgirl. And, you know, everyone was like, ooh, in the orange, she's much more seemingly, yeah girl age and yeah just a different a different approach to 
to the character, which is really refreshing. I've, I've heard a lot of comments like that, which mm. is great. But, of course, I really don't know because I'm such an outsider. I'm just I'm trying to make everything work for people mm. who've been reading superhero comics for a long time. But since I'm learning everything for the first time, I'm never really sure. I'm just hoping that it works. <laughs> just going and doing it. It's like, and, of course, most people would know you, too, because of A, a Wrinkle in Time. You know, being part of that, that's, that's the one that... You got the Eisner for, of course. That's going to be made into a film, or they've started shooting the film. Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't that, is that shooting down in your part of the world, or am um, I? I'm not sure. Look, so many things. The the problem with a lot of those sort of films, I guess, when there's a lot of special effects involved, CGI parts of it might get made, and studios here, uh, like in Queensland, they have them set up, and and parts might be made in New Zealand as well. So it's. It becomes a bit of a mixed breed of a of a film, you know. I don't know if that's much. Right. That's probably more different from comics because you know you've got yourself working on that work. You you wouldn't have too much of it going to other studios as such. Would that be the case? I mean, as far no. as no, I mean, no. I I kind of just like do my I can do my job from wherever. But yeah, it's, it's cool because like Raphael Albuquerque, who's the background artist. He's in Brazil, I think. My editors for my books, he's in New York, so on the other side of the country. So, yeah, it's, it's we're all spread out. Yeah. But uh, A Wrinkle in Time is kind of cool because, the, and the thing that's funny about the movie is that when I got this job in, I think, 2008 was when I signed on to do the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. One of the big things was, oh, we're doing a movie, and we want the graphic novel to come out at the same time. Right. <laughs> And they thought the movie was going to be out in 2010. So now it's like yeah. almost 2017. Yeah. And the movie's just actually started shooting. I know. Hey, time. You know, there you go. It's, it's more than a wrinkle uh, in time there. But what of all your work, what inspires you or who inspires you the most? That's such a hard question. I was a voracious reader growing up. So mm. I read a ton of fantasy and a ton of... It wasn't really called young adult at that point, but oh, yeah. kids fiction. I did read a lot of Madeline Langle's books, and those okay. were a big inspiration on me. And as far as comics, European comics, yeah. were my my big first love was Tintin, Asterix. I read some of the the Scrooge McDuck comics, which are great. Yeah, they and are. Manga. I got really into manga in high school. Oh, cool. Now, I'm going to have to wrap it up because, you know what, we're running out of time. Well, thank you so much. Oh, sorry, yeah, I thought I'd already lost you. Sorry. Well, good luck with the women, <laughs> good luck with the women in comics panel at ACMI and, of course, Women in Comics Festival. What a great weekend coming up really soon for Melbourne. We're very honoured to have thank you, you so coming here for the first time. Melbourne is very lucky, I think. Before I let you go, I wonder if you could quickly say, I'm Hope Larson and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. 94.9. That's it. FM. Cool. Okay. Yep. I'm Hope Larson and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9 FM. You're awesome. Thank you. Good luck with everything. <laughs> Thanks, Hope. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. And that was the wonderful Hope Larson. Uh, she will be appearing in Melbourne Town or Batman or Batmania as it was once upon a time, almost called, at the uh, ACMI. It's part of the Women in Comics panel, which is part of the bigger deal, which is the Superhero Symposium that's happening only in Melbourne. It's uh, 
Yeah, very exciting. Superhero Identities Symposium runs from the 8th and 9th of December here in ACMI uh, in Melbourne Town. And then over at All Star Comics, the wonderful All Star Comics, it's Women in Comics Festival time, 10th to the 11th of December. All Star Comics, 53 Queen Street, Melbourne. And you can head to their Facebook page to find out more. It's a fantastic car based on the All Star Women's comic book club and they're presenting this first ever women in comics festival happening right here in melbourne celebrating women involved in the comic book industry and hope larson will be there as well so oh my god it's going to be so freaking fantastic almost said something else a bit ruder but make sure you find out more and catch up and um yeah get along down there to both fantastic events and remember Women can make comics too, you know. We're all superheroes underneath. This is Sonia talking uh, to Hope Larson, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Hi, we're the Girl Freeders, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. I missed the Broad. Oh, that's it. Again, sorry. Don't again. Hi, we're the Girl Freeders, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Forgotten the women's movement? I don't deny the, the need for equality activism, including women's equality. Well, I, you know, that was right during the women's lib movement. And uh, a lot of women were going, you know, you sort of had to go to the extreme in order to get someplace in the middle uh, in terms of fighting for women's rights. I'm one of the few people who so far has kind of, I've benefited from a lot of women's hard work, you know, as women through the 60s and 70s. And any civilization that does not recognize the female is doomed to destruction. Women are the wave of the future. And sisterhood is stronger than anything. That's the crux of what Wonder Woman is. Right. Right there, that speech. She's going to be a girl kiss. And there's going to be, yeah, some sort of element of nakedness. There's something about that, uh, the goddess within, that part, that secret part uh, that resides in every woman that is uh, uh, a Wonder Woman, you know, that, that yearns for that independence and strength. Who was an inspiration? Uh, well, my mother, and, and believe it or not, Catholic nuns. I went to you know, Catholic okay. school, and it was all run by nuns, and they were good women. There was none of this hateful kind of room-sticking behavior that, you know, goes on. They were good women. They were, and they're real activists, and they've been such supporters of me and my activism. You go get them, Wonder Woman. Hi, I'm Linda Carter. Hi, this is Lucy Lawless otherwise known as Xena Warrior Princess, and you're listening to Broad. Broad on Broad. Joy Radio.
This is Broad on Joy 94.9. I have the honour of speaking to Nicola Scott. She is the extraordinary artist based here in Australia and one of the most amazing women because uh, she gets to draw people, well, you may have heard of them, Wonder Woman for DC Comics. Apart from other things, she's also going to be involved in something called Women in Comics. Uh, It's a panel December 9th, one of their talks at the ACMI here in Melbourne. Welcome to Broad. Hi there, thanks for having me. So Nicola, look, it, I, I put it on Facebook last night, I was going to be interviewing you, and boy, you know, people know who you are, it's, it's incredible, um, the amount of people saying, God, we love her work, and it's so inspiring oh, to have fun. an Australian, you know, yeah. amongst the big boys. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a really big industry, you know, and, and certainly the awareness of the American industry is, is you know, global, and to sort of be one of the very few of us, you know, local Australians working in the industry, and I think I was, like, one of the first to sort of break through to mainstream. It's a real sort of privileged position, and I, I like that, you know, the first of us to break through was a chick. Yes. Makes me pretty happy. <laughs> so you're speaking at this panel, Woman in Comics, um, yeah. bringing together, looking at yourself as a woman in, in the culture of comics, working in that industry, and, of course, representing, you know, the female superhero. Can you tell us what you might be chatting about? I mean, you're up there with some people like, uh, is it Naya, Naya Lata, uh, Hope Larson? Yeah. Taylor. So, you know, it should, it should make for quite an interesting discussion. Mm. And I've not met Hope before, but certainly Tom and I are big talkers. So, you know, <laughs> the fact that the panel is only just over an hour... Mm. Oh gosh, you know, he and I could talk all day. Yeah. Yes, I've seen you both in action, always entertaining and really informative. And, um, you know, just a nice thing to know, having people that can relate to, which is what I think I I get the feedback. Uh, Now, this is quite a career. And now, of course, you've had Black, Black Magic probably one of your passion, you know, works of passion with Greg Rocker, um, Image Comics. Yeah. yeah, what's that been like since that uh, came out? It has been an extraordinary experience and it will mm. continue to be. Like, it was, it was very much a sort of career strategy to know when my time might be up at DC, you know, before, before I became too entrenched. I was definitely 10 years exclusively on DC properties. And, and I had been aware that in the process of sort of being on the other side of the planet and getting the work and trying to keep the work, I made myself, my identity at Deep made myself into a very reliable artist. And once, you know, they find those reliable artists that can consistently deliver mm. the output, you know, not, not even so much quality, but they can just deliver constantly, you know, page after page after page, month after month. They tend to lock onto those artists and, and keep them in monthly books. And I was, you know, really wanting to sort of get opportunities to work on things that were more prestige level. And I was pretty sure I was not going to get there because I was, I'd proven myself a reliable artist. And I felt like, you know, one of, one of the smartest things I could do was to leave the company and go and do something independent because apart from the fact that, you know, I get to stamp my name on something that I own with Greg Rucker. I get to do something completely different to superhero, which is, you know, I haven't had the chance to do since I started at DC. And I get to approach the art in a way that isn't anywhere near the sort of, not necessarily house style, but that kind of mm. uh, production machine that, you know, you, you end up having a lot more control, not only just of the, the 
finished product, but of the process. You know, Greg and I have been talking about Black Magic for a really long time, and it was so fabulous to be able to work on it. And, you know, we've got at least 30 issues worth of story to tell, right. and we're only five issues in. Yeah. And we had to take a break so that we could come back and do some Wonder Woman. Mm. And, you know, that, that idea of leaving DC to sort of expand my audience, find a different audience, because, mm. you know, the, the people that read Image Comics aren't necessarily the same audience for DC superheroes. Mm. You know, it's definitely a crossover, but they're not the same. So I found myself a new audience. I've been able to flex some different muscles again. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd really been missing the painting. But to sort of take that sort of different experience and bring it back to DC Comics has been a real has been a really interesting journey working working at DC on Wonder Woman this year. Mm. Uh, Greg Rucker and I are doing a Wonder Woman Year One story. So we're sort of getting to retell her origin and I think it's the first time that it's been done in continuity for 30 years. So sort of being able to do that with this sort of very significant working relationship, creative relationship with Greg, but also a really long history for both of us with DC. The fact that, you know, they, I didn't burn my bridges on my way out the door. Mm. I, I left the company a very satisfied creator with all of them giving me their absolute blessings and their, you know, our independent work, but very happy to have me back any time. And so it's nice to sort of come back and do you know, this one-off, six-issue, important arc, especially in her 75th anniversary year, mm. and then, you know, leave again in a really big year. It's an unusual sort of career, I guess, journey in some respects. Like you said, you, you've done that time a decade, basically, for DC, yeah. proving, proving yourself, you know, which I think is what women always do, is to show, hey, yeah. you know, we can... Cons- you know, supply consistently quality work and be there and steadily work and be reliable, as you call it, a re- you know, reliable artist. And then to leave, because yeah. I know people were talking around me saying stuff like, ooh, she's left, ooh, is a scandal, is there yeah. something like drama, do black magic. But then, lo and behold, we've got Wonder Woman, yeah, there, origin there stories. Yeah. no drama. You mm. know, certainly I, I know many a creator, both male and female, who's mm. had horror stories. Greg talked about his horror story with the company a number of times. So I always felt a little bit like the trophy bride because they really looked after me. I had good working, like actual, you know, face-to-face working relationships with these people. They paid me really well. I got, you know, a decent variety of projects to work on. I always felt really happy Mm. at the company. But at the same time, I didn't want to become entrenched because I don't want to be working on monthly superhero books mm. out of necessity in another 10 years' time because that's the only audience yeah. I've built up and it's the only skill I've worked on. You know, I've spent mm. 10 years as a penciler, which means I've literally only been using a pencil doing line work for 10 years. I've forgotten that I could paint. I'd forgotten how to paint. And so sort of being able to do something like Black Magic, mm. which was so, you know, by design and desire, so different in subject matter and tone and mood and actual practical application. I've been sort of able to creatively feed myself and, you know, take some some risks that I think, you know, every every career really needs every now and then. You need that sort of 
shot in the arm. And it's paid off. It's paid off in in many, many, many ways. You know, it's, it's been incredibly creatively satisfying, and I can't wait to get back to it. It's been satisfying in that it's sort of given me this, this broader access to an audience. You know, that sort of whole idea of owning your own material, there's something ridiculously satisfying about that. It's quite a bit more work in terms of, you know, I need to make a decision on everything, you know, Greg and I talk about everything. He's, he's the most collaborative, incredibly collaborative writer that I've ever worked with. Mm. Hi, this is Anna Rose Holmer, director of The Fifth, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Yes, this is Broad on Joy. Uh, yes, Sonia here, and losing my voice as we speak. Just as well, I've got more interview with Nicholas Scott. We'll finish that off. A few more minutes uh, left for that, and... Um, Maybe we'll play another track after that too. Don't forget you can message us on 0427-JOY-949. 1300-JOY-949 is the phone number. Or email us on air at joy.org.au. Let's have a bit more of Wonder Woman's very own Nicholas Scott here on Broad. Um, and in, you know, in, in the process of that, it means that he and I have to decide everything. And we've, we've put a, a pretty strong team around us of, you know, a great editor, a great colorist, a great designer, graphic designer, who bring really interesting and absolutely necessary flavor so that, you know, it snaps Greg and I out of our own ridiculous headspace that we fall down. It's a lot more work, but the payoff is great because we're creating something absolutely from the ground up and seeing what life it can have, not only with the audience when they once they take ownership of it, but what life it can have in other mediums. You know, we have a, a TV show being developed at the moment based on the idea of the book. And, you know, we'll see if it eventuates and if it does eventuate, what it actually looks like. I guess, yeah. yeah. I feel very lucky. Mm. It feels like a really privileged position to sort of be able to do some really great, you know, hopefully people like indie work, you know, independent stuff. Mm. but then be able to dabble in some, you know, hardcore, mainstream, superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice position to be in. It's a special year, too, I think. It's been a special year in the intensity um, in in the real world uh, for women. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been a, a full-on year. And, uh, yeah, uh, certainly for me, career-wise, uh, special. Oh, yes. And there seems to be a lot of things reflecting and you know, mirroring there um, for you. With 75 years of Wonder Woman, of course, uh, something, and the film coming out next year. Yeah, just a phenomenal time. Uh, what's it, been... It, it, it really has. Yeah. I, I think because Greg and I have been sort of seen by the fan base as, you know, amongst their preferred creators mm. of the book, to sort of be announced as a pair to come back and redo the origin, the announcement was received incredibly favorably, which was nice. A project that he and I are both passionate about because we've been wanting to do a Wonder Woman origin story for 10 years, as long as we've known each other. You know, that was kind of how we met, using our love for Wonder Woman and wanting to work together. The fact that the opportunity actually came up, and it came up completely out of the blue, has been really exciting. Come with that sort of, you know, real emotional terror of, oh, God, now we actually have to do it. Horrifying, you know. <laughs> it's, it's great when, you, when, when it happens because it's like this is going to be really exciting and it's going to be great when it's over because we can look back on it and go, we did that, that's amazing. But the doing is really, Different. really taxing. I don't think I've ever worked this hard in my life. 
And a lot of that is because of my own uh, emotional investment and mm. therefore my own pressure in delivering my dream project into reality. Pretty overwhelming. Um, but because it's her 75th anniversary and the film is coming out and, you know, being the, the female creator on the book at the moment has kind of put me in the spotlight as a representative of the character for DC Comics. And so I've, I've ended up doing a lot of really unusual, high-profile press that is really not particularly comic booksy. Mm. Um, like I had a, a photo shoot and a spread for the September issue of Vogue this year. Mm. That doesn't happen for comic book creators. <laughs> really. No, no. Um, Hilarious. And I was the judge on a on a like a cooking show in the state, <laughs> a cake show. And oh. it's like that doesn't happen to comic book creators either. This is so weird. But it's all because of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I, I got to do the key art for the United Nations when mm. they announced her as an honorary ambassador. I got to be part of the project to sort of bring that fruition and that was incredibly weird <laughs> it didn't feel weird what was oh. really fascinating about it once they you know once DC kind of brought me on as the artist that they want to do the work mm. I was like this doesn't feel weird at all because you know Wonder Woman for a long time in the comics has been the Justice League's ambassador to the UN mm, you know true. she's been the she's been an ambassador of her you know, Ireland's nation. She's her role as an ambassador is nothing new. She had an embassy in the comics for a really long time. It feels really organic, and for her to be, you know, a, an honorary ambassador for women and girls around the world, she absolutely fits the UN agenda for that mission statement. And it was a mm. big part of the reason why she was created in the first place. Hi, this is Scarlett, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. I have such admiration for Black Lives Matter. Diaz uh, Aliza Garza, she's one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, this is a movement that started by two queer women of color that has, like, shaken the political establishment of America that has forced, like, presidential candidates, forced the president to address it, that has deeply uh, challenged, you know, really many institutions of white supremacy there and that's spread around the world. Yeah, I have such I have such admiration. When Ferguson first happened, I have to admit, I was looking at it and I was like, man, it felt like Occupy was children's dress rehearsal compared to yeah. what people are doing here and what people are risking here. Feminism, and does, does that play a part in what you do? I mean, obviously, I'm a feminist. I, I tend to subscribe to the, the Gloria Steinem definition, which is that it's the revolutionary idea that women are equal human beings. How that plays out with my relationship to other people who identify as feminists, that's a different thing, of course. You know, there, There's a huge amount of, of disagreement and um, debate. But for me, my feminism comes from the belief that no one should be restricted, no one should be marginalized, no one should be trivialized, no one should made be made simple, no one should be locked in a cage or even put up on a pedestal because they're a woman, because we're humans, and mm -hmm. humans have the right to equality and freedom, and also humans exhibit the full diversity, good and bad, of, of characteristics, men and women. And I would say that you should never let anyone um, 
not a lover, not a husband, not a parent, not a sibling. You should never let anyone steal from you the sense of your own value and your own dignity. And I should also say that the most valuable thing we have, one of them is a community that loves us and that nourishes us and that has our back. Thank you. Hi, I'm Molly Crabapple, and you are listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. Beautiful dream Cause peace and love 
Hi, this is Scarlett, and you're listening to Broad on Joy 94.9. And this is Sonia for Broad on Joy 94.9. Thanks to Hope Larson, who we spoke to earlier in the show. The American illustrator and cartoonist is due in Australia and Melbourne this week, later this week. And she'll be at the All-Star Comics as well as ACMI. Also, thanks very much to Sydney Cider and the wonderful Wonder Woman pencilist artist, Nicola Scott. And she'll be over here in Melbourne as well, talking at Superheroes Identity Symposium. So lots of things happening. And um, we had a bit of Molly Crabapple there too, talking as she did earlier in the year to us about what feminism means to her. And of course, uh, Black Lives Matter, such an important hashtag uh, for the last few years and still incredibly relevant and wonderful to speak to some awesome women. Don't forget to go to our podcast. I'll podcast, um, if all goes well, I'll try to podcast uh, the next couple of, you know, standalone interviews as we go. Uh, We've got Beck with Bite Me Down Under coming up very soon. But why not finish off with a little bit of, um, I don't know, something to make us think a little bit more about uh, what feminism means uh, to the fabulous girl, Frida's. You're listening to Abroad on Joy 94.9. Have a great week. Have a safe week. And we'll talk to you next week here on Broad on Joy. Are you a feminist, Alice? I would say yes. <laughs> Unanimously. <laughs> Pretty strange if you said no, definitely not. <laughs> Are you a feminist, Bianca? Most definitely. Are you a feminist, Shannon? I'm Shannon from the Girl Frida's and I am a feminist. <laughs> Girl Frieders, what do you think is the most important issue facing women in Australia now? Violence against women. Domestic violence, anything like that. There are far too many murders happening. There are far too many unseen and unspoken instances within the household. Yeah, I've got to agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Toxic masculinity as well, I think. I mean, it all feeds into each other. You know, it's brought to the home, but, like, feminism is interested in dismantling toxic masculinity and, like, yeah, just a violent culture, but, like, like quite latently. Yeah, like, no one seems to be yeah really like addressing just the violence that is occurring thank you sisters you've been listening to this broad podcast here on joy 94.9 don't forget to tune in to us monday nights at 9 p.m on joy for feminism in your ears Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.